Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And today we are back to discuss uh, the 2011 Christmas special, The Doctor, The Widow, and The Wardrobe, written by Stephen Moffat, starring Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor, and a precursor to Series 7. Um, It's like the Series 7 prequel. Is usually how these are dealt with on the box sets. Uh, but, <clears throat> yes, so we're going to be talking about that in just a second. And before we do, I want to remind everybody that we're from the website, geekshowentertainment.com, where we like geeky stuff. And occasionally we talk about stuff like Doctor Who on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has episodes released uh, all the time for shows that include The Doctor's Companion as well as Movie Night at Geek Show until the end of the month. Have you met Ted and Super Geeks? <laughs> and you can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes, articles, and audio blogs that we post on the site. And if you listen to any of our shows and you like what you're hearing, even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review because that's the way people find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, or suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's T-D-C as in The Doctor's Companion. Uh, And then also stay tuned for uh, The Mind Robbers, which is going to be our new uh, flagship podcast for Matt and I. Um, We're going to be where we talk about, you know, basically everything and anything entertainment-related not Doctor Who, that's what you're going to hear on that show. So if you want to hear us talk about all kinds of like movies and TV, uh, you know, maybe occasionally video games and that sort of thing, like all of that stuff, music, whatever, all of that's going to be on the Mind Robbers, um, which you're going to be able to find at mindrobber.net. So don't look for don't look for it at geekshowentertainment.com because that's not where it's going to be and you'll be lost and sad and alone. In other words, let's blow this popsicle stand. Yeah. Um, so, uh, background and significance is unnecessary for right. for this. Um, so let's let's just start off with our overall thoughts. I'll do the IST spot. We'll break it down. Then we'll do the next spot, and then we'll talk about <coughs> some uh, Moffity things that we want to talk about. Yes. Sound good? Yes. Okay. All right. So actually, I take that back. Let's just do the Moffity stuff after the IST spot. Let's just talk about the episode. Um, hopefully, you've all seen it. If not, you probably shouldn't be listening to this. Why are you listening to this if you haven't watched it yet? That's ridiculous. Turn this <laughs> off. Go list, Go watch it. Um, so, okay. So I want to start with my thought because I'm, 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 I'm of two different minds when it comes to this episode. 
Um, okay. The first thing I want to talk about is the the first half of this episode I actually didn't really like at all, really. Um, I It was too focused on being a kid's show, I think. Uh, and it was like making the doctor into like the cat in the hat, which was weird. Um, and not something that I'm crazy about seeing. And I know that that's a thing that people are amused by, but I, I was like, I was amused by it the first time in the 11th hour. Um, but every time that Stephen Moffat has written the doctor like that since then, I've been unimpressed. Um, so I really, really didn't like the first half of this. And until basically until Bill Bailey showed up, as soon as Bill Bailey showed up, I thought that the, it sort of picked up steam for me. Um, not, and it had nothing to do with Bill Bailey, although Bill Bailey was great in this. He wasn't in it nearly enough. He was kind of a waste (laughs) of Bill Bailey. Um, but, uh, that was that it was at that point that I, that the episode started picking up for me. And then, you know, like I ended up like freaking crying like four times. Um, (laughs) but here's the thing though. Like normally when I cry at something, I was like, Oh my God, that was so good. But like, I cried like four times in this and I still don't really think it was that great of an episode. Is that weird? Like no. I, f- I feel like maybe like the like the emotional uh, strings that it was pulling were a little forced. Um, not to say that it didn't still affect me, but I'm also a sap. So, I mean, there you go. I don't, I don't think this was that great of an episode. Like I thought it was fine. It did not hold a candle to last year's episode. Um, I liked a lot of the, uh, emotion in it, but I do think some of it was a little forceful, I think. Mm. I'm not, I'm not proud of the fact that I cried in this. Whereas other things, if I cried, I'd be like, yeah, whatever I did, I don't care. <clears throat> but yeah. in this case, I was like, I don't know, I'm crying and I don't, I don't think I'm comfortable with it. I don't like yeah. it. Well, so. I mean, this, like, if you compare the crying in this to... The crying in Christmas Carol. The crying in Christmas Carol is wonderfully cathartic because you've been building to that. Uh-huh. Um, whereas this, <clears throat> it feels like Moffat tried to do the same sort of thing, like building to the moment of catharsis. And I, I, I think I, I mean, I cried twice, or at least I got misty once, which is weird because I never go misty. Uh, if I'm gonna cry, I just go for it. Um, I guess uh, I should say, yeah, I probably cried like like three times and got misty once. The first time. <laughs> Uh, the first time was when when uh, Ma- Mage Mage Madge 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 Madge, Madge. Madge. when um, when Madge like first starts like first takes control of the giant robot and starts coming toward them. Um, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh yeah! But like, I as soon as that happened, I was just like, why do why do I care? I don't. E- I didn't even like her five minutes ago. <laughs> like it was a weird feeling, but that was the first time I got misty. Was there? Yeah, um, yeah. Mine yeah. was, despite the fact that it was major spoilers. Despite the fact that it was telegraphed six ways to Sunday that uh, it was going to be that that plane was going to be sitting there. I still found myself welling up because it was a really powerful moment. Sure. Um, and then my thing was the Amy and Rory stuff because that came out of left field for me. Like I was not expecting that. And I just yeah. found myself just, I lost it. I completely lost it. Cause yeah. It was, well, it was now, nice. that was the best part of the whole thing was that yeah. scene. Yeah, absolutely. Was the best part. And like the doctor crying, like that was cool. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. how much did you hate humany woomany? Uh, 
Yeah, that's I can I could hear you going ugh as soon as he said it. Well, it's funny because my um one of my roommates who's back at home was live tweeting it mildly, like she t- tweeted like five or six times during the story, and she said "humany woomany." Uh, that was one of her tweets, and I saw it on action, and I'm like, oh, that's a little that's a weird thing to say. And then when he said "humany woomany," I was like. <sighs> <laughs> I forgot that it was coming. Oh, um, Stephen Moffat. Yeah, well, we'll get to him. Um, <laughs> the man has five jokes. <laughs> he has five, weird. He has five jokes, and he just reuses them. <laughs> well, that's good, because there were only four seasons of coupling, so it worked for him. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I'm about the same as you. Uh, I wanted to like this a lot more than I did, and I was expecting it to be much more than it ended up being. Um, I felt like... Um, Moffat, uh, Moffat said, I think if you follow his Twitter account, like Moffat was writing this in August, um, which, and they were shooting in September, I think. Mm-hmm. So it, it does not, this did not feel nearly as polished as a Moffat script has felt in the past. Um, it doesn't feel nearly as slapdash as Wedding River Song did, which by the way, for any, uh, keeping score, I have still not warmed to that episode. Um, <laughs> To be uh, fair, but... neither have I. So, <laughs> well, high five, podcasting, yeah. high five. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm about the same. I mean, I thought that it was it was a real attempt to make things um, uh, to to get the emotional resonance, but quite simply, it really felt contrived. Like the idea yeah. that this guy goes missing in World War II, which, by the way, I mentioned that I'll just quick digression. Uh, I know Moffat goes back to the well. But Moffat's playing in Doctor Who, which that well runs really deep. Um, so deep there's really not a bottom to it. Uh, Moffat needs to stop going to World War II because this is ridiculous. Um, or 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 the or the five thousand five thousands yeah. or like, the yeah the the fifty first century fifty yeah. first century. That's his go to century yeah. as well. Which is which by the way was first referenced in Talons, which I realized when I rewatched that. Um, so <laughs> let's let's do a running tally. Moffat stole the 51st century from Talons, which is arguably the best Tom Baker story. Um, and he stole from this a vast, like he literally ripped Androzani out of the out of the out of that. Which why I don't know. Um, the Androzani trees. Uh, I hated that. Um, Did you? I hated it. Why? Well, here's well, here's my thing. I was actually on the Big Finish forums the other day. And by the other day, I mean a couple months ago. And um, <laughs> someone was saying, what do you want to see reappear? And uh, someone said, Androzani. And as if you've listened to this podcast or read my blog at all, you know that Caves of Androzani is hands down my favorite Doctor Who story of all time. Um, like, nothing comes close. And But as much as I love that story, I never want to see anything ever come out of it ever again. Um just because it works so good as self-contained storytelling, um, that it does you don't need to go back there. And and ripping out a fan service moment is not something I like. Um, the fan service needs to serve the story. I I I, I believe that. Um, and if you're just doing fan service for the sake of fan service, then you're JNTing it up, and I don't I I don't agree with that. So there um, is no reason for them to be Androzani trees specifically. No. No, no, there was none, none of that. I mean, they could have been any fracking trees. They could have been Ents for all that mattered. Um, 
Well, they kind of, they kind of were. They, they kind of were. Um, but like, you didn't need to mention Androzani. Like, you, I guess mentioning Androzani Major gets you points. But really, Androzani works because like that whole place is cesspool, and you don't need to visit. Like, you just you don't need to visit it again, in my opinion. Like, it just it doesn't, and it doesn't serve anything. And Moffat, like, I mean, as Moffat is wont to tell us in this, like, he mentions the word clever like four times, and as we know, Moffat's incredibly clever. Moffat doesn't need to keep... Moffat doesn't need to do fan service. He does it purely because he wants to, which is fine, I guess, but Moffat's so clever that he doesn't... that he can just come up with whatever he wants, and the fact that he kind of lays out and went for Androzani just for the cheap gag, uh, it, it's weak, and it, you know... It, but this isn't – they're not on Androzani, right? No, but okay. mentioning it is still like the same – you're still harnessing the word purely to get some get some points on the fans for, for you. Oh. Um, well. That's what it is. And it – I mean it doesn't – like it doesn't matter. It could have been from um, uh, the Nerva Beacon for all we care. Uh, it does. It just doesn't matter. So mm. I mean that's – and that's my thing. Um, but I uh, – anyways, to get back to the point, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean honestly – Thinking about it, nothing actually really happened in this story. Um, it was it's like extremely simple. Like it's an extremely simple story. And I know we'll talk later about Moffat and his views on how long stories should be. But um, uh, this is an example of how to waste an hour with a story that you could have done in half of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because there, like, literally nothing happens in this story, and to the point where there are large sections of it that feel tremendously cheap. And f- because Moffat has set a, an example of "I'm going to tell big, explosive, slutty Doctor Who" um, on a huge budget, when you go to the throne room of this spaceship, and it's literally just a wooden chair in a circular room with a dome, it just feels like really really cheap in the way that victory of the daleks feels cheap and i mean it doesn't it doesn't help that it 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 means that moffat can't you know paper over his story with with flashy visuals and that hurts i think at the end of the day what happens with this um but i i mean i enjoyed it i mean it was a nice hour sort of diversion but you know i still expect more from moffat and after last year, like last year's was so good that right. But last I, year's last year's was like last year's <laughs> Christmas special was like the the equivalent of like a band's first album, where sure. like they have years and years and years of working on it, and they've perfected all the songs on that album. Like, and then you get to their second one, they have the sophomore slump, and I think that's what this is because yeah, yeah, I agree. You know that first Christmas special was him. Wishing and dreaming that he's going to he's going to be, you know, the executive producer of Doctor Who at some point, and what would he do with the Christmas special? And he had four years, yeah, to think about it. Mm-hmm. And like uh, the choice of Christmas Carol was inspired. Like I know we never talked about it, but choice of Christmas Carol was inspired. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful like Doctor Who interpretation of that story. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing. Whereas this, like, this is called the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe because it then diagrams across the C.S. Lewis book in places, but it's there's large swaths of it that don't feel remotely similar. Like, the, the actual structure of the story, the structure is, like, vaguely similar, but the rest of it is not mm-hmm. quite there. Well, and, and there's no... I still don't... 
understand what the doctor was trying to accomplish with giving them a portal to another world. I don't either. I yeah, don't it, he's just doing it because the story needs him to, or there mm-hmm. wouldn't be an adventure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all, and it's also like it's a little. I mean, it's a little sloppy if you think about it, because you know the doctor says, "Make a wish, I'll make it come true," and you know he goes back to these three people. Uh, specifically the woman Madge because she helped him out when he was in a spacesuit. Um, uh, and so he went back to help her and give her kids a good Christmas, but it's unclear how much he knew about what was going on with the dad and what his goal was when he got them into the magic world because, mm-hmm. you know, that place was burned to the ground. Um, it's just it's just weird. It's And it's not clear, and that's why I think that, you know, there's entire sections of the story that are a little that are just extremely on the nose in ways that just shouldn't be. Um, I don't remember them off the bat, but there's moments where someone said something, and I was like, "That's really obvious." I mean, I could have gotten that without you spelling it out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, which also, um, okay, in the in the at the beginning of the episode with the doctor in the wearing the suit backwards, that whole thing, and. You go to like the the go to Madge's uh, house and and she's like t- telling her kids like you know like hey I'm I'm gonna go out with this and try and find this phone box whatever and then like you see her husband and all that and then it flashes to three years later her kids didn't age at all <laughs> in three years <laughs> like at all. <laughs> I hear you. Um, that's not, that's not, that's not good. No, it's, it's not great. And I, I mean, that's, I think that's a directing thing though. And I didn't mind the direction, but I didn't think it was great either. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought. Kids not aging after three years. That's kind of awful. No, no, that's, that's awful. I mean, just in general, but you're right. That's not, that's not good. Um, Yeah. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like, I don't know how the doctor got control of the house, and like, why does why is he doing all of these magicy things? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like the idea of the doctor as like a fairy godmother, cat in the hat type character. I just don't. Yeah, it's for, so weird. When, especially when it's for no reason. Yeah, like it it's... really feels like. He's magic, and I don't. I don't like that. I need. I need my sci-fi explanation. I. I can't accept the mm-hmm. Doctor as just this grand magician. Like I just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when when he says like make a wish, and then she does, and he shows up. I'm like, um, what? Yeah. No, that's yeah. how does that work? That doesn't yeah. work like that. What? And it's also <laughs> like I mean, I don't. I feel like you're right. Like I feel like I'd seen it before. Like the fact that the doctor is bored by adult things, which I mean, as an interpretation, that's a good interpretation. It's a fine interpretation. But seeing it, it just feels like because um, we'd seen it previously in other stories. I don't remember exactly where. Like Night Terrors comes to mind for some reason. Um, we've seen the doctor be like, oh adult things are boring, kid stuff is where it's at, and that's clearly the Moffat vision, and that's fine. But Moffat continually going back to his, you know, that well again, just, it it, it it feels like he's telling the same exact joke, but doing it for longer, because explaining that 
room went on for so long. Uh-huh. Like it just felt like it went on for so fracking long for no reason. Um, and I just I didn't I didn't like it that much at all. No, uh, but like I don't. I, <laughs> it's funny because I'm actually I'm trying. Here's the thing. I have not been strong for those not listening, and I know Scott, you know this, so indulge me. But I have not been loving on Doctor Who since it came, since it ended. Um, I've been in a very sort of like meh sort of Doctor Who place, um, right. and I really wanted to like this. And coming off of it now, like I mean, I I had not find enough time watching it, but like going sitting here and doing a podcast on it, I'm struggling with to think of things that I thoroughly enjoyed um, because th- there wasn't. There wasn't much. I mean, Claire Skinner as Madge, she was okay, but she didn't do much for me. Um, and the kids didn't do anything for me. Like, the girl was clearly the more interesting character for my money. Um, but I didn't really like the little kid. Uh, and the doctor wasn't anything special. And it just, it, I don't know. I'm just, I'm left struggling. Because I, I, I'm pretty sure I enjoyed it, but I can't say much about it, which is sad. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about it, too. Yeah, yeah. Which is disappointing, because this is the last new Doctor Who we're getting until the fall. Yeah, for nine months. Nine months. For nine months. Uh, but, like, to go talk about the really awesome sequence of this, because why not? Um, uh, I really loved Amy and Rory in this. Like, mm-hmm. that was more than anything, because, like... The thing about Christmas Carol that I really liked, and I'm sorry we're comparing, but the thing about Christmas Carol that I really liked is that was Christmas top to bottom. Um, every frame of that story was just screaming big, exciting Christmas fun. Whereas this, the only part that really felt legitimately Christmas to me was the Amy and Rory bit because that was like exactly what Christmas is. And, you know. It's a great. It's another great example of showing versus telling because they can tell me that it's Christmas all they want, but like going back and thinking about it, like it didn't feel like Christmas mm. at all in any of those sequences mm. ever. There and, was snow, <laughs> but that that doesn't make Christmas. Yeah, the second you go to an alien planet and you throw snow on the ground, it doesn't feel like Christmas. I, I don't mm. care what it is. Um, even if have... even if the wood creatures hatch from Christmas bulbs, like. which was brilliant, like I loved that mm-hmm. the the cr- living Christmas tree idea is one of the great ideas that Moffat has. Like you know, in every story, there's always an awesome idea. Um, but he dropped that ball. <laughs> no pun intended. But yeah, I mean. Like, the vast majority of the story was walking from place to place, like Lord of the Rings. Like, literally, they go into the alternate dimension, they walk for a while, they go to the top of the room, they talk about what they're going to do next, and then, you know, then they do the time vortex thing, and then the story kind of goes into its epilogue. And it's like, eh. Yeah. Eh. Eh. And I wasn't, like, I I was not engaged with the the dad story at all like i wasn't at like it just i don't know it just didn't it didn't fly with me because it felt too much like just moffat like yanking on my heartstrings like trying to get to them and yeah I'm just like, eh. and the mm. doctor and when when she was taking control of the time vortex or whatever and zooming them through the time vortex there was too much time spent with the doctor shouting this is so cool look how cool she is isn't this cool like um 
Not yeah. really. It's actually less cool. It's yeah. actually less cool. Yeah. Right. Which like, and that's that's the issue I think for me is like so much of Moffat is trying is him trying to convince me that something's really cool. Like even even the main conceit of her taking control of this alien sphere and flying it around and landing it and pulling her husband home is only really cool because Moffat thinks it cool. It's not something that I find terribly engaging, at least mm-hmm. presented this way. Um, as an idea, it's interesting and, you know, fairly cool. But in terms of execution, it does feel like Moffat, and he does this often, is overcompensating for what he's trying to accomplish by trying to tell me that I should really like this more than I should. Right. And that's... Uh, that's that's not good. That's not good. That's not good. Yep. Oh, well. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um... Before we get into uh, what we'll be discussing for the second half of this episode, uh, I want to remind everybody that we're sponsored by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, Why the Last Man, Deluxe Edition, Hardcover, Volume 5, by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. And this book is available for only seventeen thirty nine. Or forty-two percent off the suggested retail price of twenty-nine ninety-nine. And remember, all orders over fifty dollars get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Also, there's a new uh, Doctor Who like massive hardcover thing, mm. um, comic thing. That's uh, the uh, it's it's everything. Um, or it might just be the first volume, but it's no. I think it's everything. It's everything Dave Gibbons has ever drawn for Doctor Who. <laughs> it's it's and it's a giant hardcover, three hundred and seventy-two pages, um, wow. and it's thirty-five dollars. Wow, and it's huge. Wow, yeah, um, and it has you know tons of writers, um, both unknown currently and known like there's there's some stuff written by grant morrison um i grant morrison warren ellis and somebody alan moore maybe no well maybe alan moore because i know he wrote doctor who comics and he has a history of working with dave gimmons yeah so maybe. May, maybe you're right i think maybe it was alan moore um so anyway but yeah so lots of of crazy stuff and um there you go so uh, and there's 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 fourth doctor, fifth doctor, and sixth doctor stuff in the book. Ooh. So, there you go. Um, so check that out. The Dave Gibbons Doctor Who Dave Gibbons collection for thirty five dollars. That's a pretty good price. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So, um, Matt, you have some stuff you want to talk about. Yeah, I think. Um... Because we've been on New Who hiatus for the past couple months, uh, and there's been some interesting developments going on, and if you've been following me on Twitter, you know that I've been every so often just kind of going out and doing mini side of sort of jitey, snipey comments about what's been going on. So I figure, why not air our grievances publicly? Um, or at least mine, because I have a bunch. Um, and I just I want to talk about specifically the comments that Moffat has made lately with regards to where the show's going in the seventh season. Uh, and I know, Scott, you have a, a couple thoughts on this as well. Um, 
But I basically I just pulled a couple quotes and I just I'm gonna I I just think they're interesting to discuss. Um, the first and probably the most pressing idea is the idea that Amy and Rory are coming back. Um, and they're going to be back for season seven and they're going to be going around for God knows how long. And then Moffat's going to ride them out and it's going to be in his words, uh, over for them. Uh, so they're not gonna, they're going to be around and then they're going to meet a, uh, seemingly heartbreaking, heartbreaking conclusion. Um, now I have been, (laughs) I have been vocally against this since it was announced. Um, uh, and I just, I just, I hate it. I think that they had a great ending in the God Complex, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw it to you, Scott, in just a second to, I guess, rebut me or maybe not. But um, I think, I think the the pawn should have left at the God Complex. That said, after watching this week's episode, I am not quite convinced because their idea of best friends is kind of interesting to me. Um, so. If nothing else, this story gave me benefit of the doubt on that. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you have a similar reaction, or yeah? You... Um, my my thought on it is I don't want them to be. I don't want them to come back in in any kind of full time capacity. I think you could tie up their story with one more, and <laughs> ironically, one more two parter, which we're gonna get to that <laughs> idea in a second. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think you could have tied up their story with one more two-parter, you know, much like uh, sort of like bringing Martha into series four um, while Donna was the new companion. So what I would say would be to start the season off with a new companion um, and then bring in Amy and Rory for a few adventures and then write them out permanently. That's mm-hmm. that's that's how I would want it to go down. The way that it seems like it's going to go down is we're going to start with Amy and Rory. They're going to leave, and then we're going to get a new companion because you know, it always life always happens perfectly like that. You know, we never <laughs> meet the ne- like. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's just it it it's weird to me to think, uh, like for Moffat to think that it's okay to have the old companions they leave and then the doctor just coincidentally meets their his next companion next like mm-hmm. i think it it would be better now that he's traveling alone now get the companion have an adventure where they where he needs amy and rory and hell even river like bring river in and end her story too like honestly because that thing's not going anywhere <laughs> um, I mean, we already ran that stupid story into the ground, uh, yeah. and I wasn't happy with how it ended. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, we can be done with her too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that we're not. <laughs> so I guess my only question though is, but, and that's just the thing. I, I'm sure we're not done with the river stuff. So will this really be the end of Amy and Rory? Really? I don't know. I kind of think it won't be. Well, here's the issue, though, and this is this is speculation territory. So, um, uh, based on what some people have said, uh, not anyone in particular, not anyone in the production team, just things that I've heard. Um, there was talk early on in this past season, so season six, that there's a reason they keep pretend killing off Rory, and 
the implication there to me is that they're going to kill off Rory, which I mean, you know, it's been <laughs> it's been like twenty years since the last companion death. I think it's high time we got another one. Um, but here here's my here's what I would say is uh, having all of those those fake deaths for Rory is going to make people think that Rory's going to die. They should kill off Amy. Yeah. I think I think that would be good. And I think that's that's stronger, honestly. Uh, no, it is, especially because if you look at um if you look at the way that the Christmas special ended, like Rory is not the one who made the doctor cry. Amy is the one who did that. And mm-hmm. that's that is stronger. You're right. That that is inherently more dramatic. Um especially because we know that I mean, if if Rory died again, no one would believe it. Um, right, exactly. No one would believe it, which is a problem. Uh, yeah, that's that's not good. That's that's bad storytelling. But um, that's I mean that's not good. And, and but you're right. I, I I completely agree. I think that going in and bringing back Amy and Rory as full time companions is not the best idea. And to make it even more problematic, like the Doctor has left Amy and Rory so many times at this point that. I'm shocked they don't feel like they're getting jerked around a little bit because if you look at like not counting season five because season five was you know good um season six starts off with um well if you count the Christmas special season six starts off with Amy and Rory not involved in the plot at all uh and then you start season six with them away from the doctor as he goes off and has some adventures that we will never see um and then he drops them off at the end of uh, good man goes to war and brings them back for let's kill Hitler. And then he drops them off again. And then he visits them for, that he picks them back up for, uh, what's it called? Uh, wedding of river song. And then, you know, now he's back visiting them. It's like, he's left them so many times, mm-hmm. like so many times that I'm shocked that they even feel like they are companions because they've, <laughs> they've left to the point where, I mean, he basically he has to he has to give Amy and Rory a reason for them to leave. They have yeah. to be the ones to leave. Yeah, because mm-hmm. if the doctor leaves them again, it's just it's the same thing over and over and over again. Right, and that's not it's not that's not interesting. Um, but it is Moffaty. Um, so yeah, so it's but that, but them them leaving them leaving would have to be the case. And considering Amy would never leave the Doctor, or at least I can't think of a feasible reason for her character to want to not travel with the Doctor. Um, she has to die because Rory has no interest in traveling with the Doctor. Yeah, he's only along because Amy's along, right? Like, and right. That, and that's not a slam. Like you 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 know he's having a good time with it. Like he's enjoying it, but mm-hmm. it's not his preferred thing like he just likes being with amy right um which is i mean that's that that is an interesting companion dynamic especially because he's not really annoying mm-hmm. um like tegan could be but it it is interesting and you're right like they they kind of do have to kill amy that said i'm not sure i could be able to handle that um that that <laughs> would be rough that like, would be really rough, rough. that would be <laughs> and like consider like consider if if they kill off amy like if they kill off amy Think about, like, how devastating Adric's death was. And Adric, like, I mean, you and I like Adric, but he is in no way a great companion. No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, comparing, like, comparatively, like, my god, them killing off a companion as beloved as Amy Pond would just devastate people. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Good. Because people need to be devastated, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I think and so, we're too. we're overdue. We're overdue. I think so. Um, 
So <sighs> that brings us to my crack about two-parters. Uh, the irony being that Moffat has announced that series seven will have no two parters. It will all be single serving stories, single, mm-hmm. single episode stories. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reasoning because, uh, I have, I actually have the quote right here. Uh, not so much that the two, like, uh, no story is too long for 45 minutes. That's his exact quote. Um, which is, which is, <laughs> Which is immensely ironic coming from the from coming from the guy who wrote how many two part episodes? Several. 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 Let's two, just listen. two 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 part stories when he wasn't even before he was even showrunner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So And his well, his his rationale behind it is because he feels like, you know, two-parters go in a second like two-parters at the end of the first part take a left turn and go into a different direction that you weren't necessarily anticipating um and while i agree that's true i think that saying it saying that two-parters shouldn't exist is 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 really counterintuitive especially because one of the examples he uses was good man goes to war and let's kill hitler but that's not a two-part episode no, those are compa- they're companion stories. Like they're, they're a terrible thing to say dur- about Doctor Who. They are stories that serve as companion pieces to each other. Yeah, uh, which is which is which is fine, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But that's not really a two parter. Like if you talk about two parters that veer into another direction, like uh, Angels is a great example. But like Angels is absolutely a two parter. Mm-hmm. Like Reticent a- is Angels, like- Angels is like that, and so is uh, Pandorica. No, well, yes, actually, yes, absolutely, <laughs> and then also the introduction of River Song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and those those three stories right there, they all have a very specific first half and a very specific second half, mm-hmm. and they're turning points. Um, right. Unlike unlike um, his first story, the the mm-hmm. uh, empty, child empty Child story, like that feels like one episode. Yeah, like one big epic sort of story right exactly Um, whereas the other ones have specific one half and second half um so i see what he's saying but his example is a poor example it really is it really really is and then i mean to compare like you know there are but there are stories that don't deserve like that don't necessarily deserve two parters that have gotten two parts like you know the uh, oh gosh, what was it? Rebel Flesh. Right. Rebel Flesh is a good example that would have been stronger as probably like an hour long story. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that does have two distinct directions it goes in. Uh, and, and I see what he means, but part of my argument when I realized what he was talking about and I was like kind of fuming because first of all, I am a, an ardent defender of two-parters. Nothing gets to me like a two-part story because – television as a rule is so entirely episodic especially doctor who that um there's nothing like coming to the end of a good cliffhanger getting a to be continued and going oh oh how long till next week yeah you know there's 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 nothing like it and i it's so like i'm not gonna be caught defending him on this but one of my points that i made and his his argument is that nowadays we tell stories really quickly and we're able to get through a lot of plot really fast. Um, one of the examples that I threw out was, okay, let's do the 45-minute Moffat version of the following stories. Uh, the Talons of Wang Chiang, The Caves of Androzani, The Pyramids of Mars, 
The Brain of Morbius, Spearhead from Space, Inferno, Ambassadors of Death, Curse of Peladon, uh, The War Games, The Mind Robber. Let's do let's do all of these as four part stories and see how they'd hold up. And the answer is that they wouldn't. Uh, they you just, mean you they, mean a single part story? You said yeah, four right, part stories. A big forty five minute episode. Yeah, they just they wouldn't hold up. And the the problem is, and this is this is a problem and ble- inherent to the Moffat way of doing things is compare the wedding of River Song to a Moffat two parter. And I know that the wedding of River Song had tons and tons of problems but you can't look at the wedding of river song and say if they had just allowed this to breathe even for another 15 minutes it wouldn't have been stronger because that story races to the point where every opportunity for character moment is completely shunted aside uh-huh. and the Moffat stories that had the best character moments in the last season were uh specifically the one that i always think of is uh, impossible astronaut day of the moon because there are entire sections where you're you allow the story he allows the story to slow down for a minute and for the companions to sort of talk about what's going on and their feelings and their emotions and you know how they relate to each other and i mean that's like my favorite thing about that story besides the fact that it's awesome um and i and i like those and i i feel that moffat going for 45 minutes of all plot, no character is exactly the wrong direction for his Doctor Who to go in. Um, because his plots are, I mean, he he does fine plots, I suppose, but that's not what brings me into Doctor Who. And I mean, I had a discussion with my roommate just like last week where I was talking about, you know, what's like one of the things that drew me into Doctor Who and that drew her into Doctor Who. And she did not want to like this show because she thought it was entirely episodic, was, you know, the Davies model of tons of character work and great emotional payoffs and moments. And, you know, I feel like that's something that's really missing in the Moffat era, and it's something that he really should go back to, because that guy knows how to pull strings when he wants to, and doing this this way is just, it's not going to help. Um, and yeah. I, it's a bummer. It's a bummer to me. Uh, but, but, but that being said... That being said, a season, uh, or, yeah, a series of the show with no two-parters isn't inherently a bad idea. No. Because if you do, if you ignore his comment about there is no story that, need, that needs more than 45 minutes, ignore that comment um, and just look at it from the perspective uh like let's just pretend he didn't say that and say that they actually come out with a full season of episodes that are perfectly fine as 45 minute stories and having a full season of 13 of those yeah that's that's good especially considering this is probably going to be Matt Smith's last series probably as yeah. the doctor so mm-hmm. Getting 13 more Matt Smith stories, not including the Christmas special and the anniversary special. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a pro for me. Yeah. Um, and it also, it also means, I mean, it means that you don't get something like a Toby Whithouse two-parter, which I really want. Um, well, we'll but, get that when he takes over the show. <laughs> we, we absolutely will. Um, it means that we also don't have to sit through like a Graham, a Matthew Graham two-parter, which right. I mean, 
or not, not, or or God help us. Uh, what what's his name? Stephen Thompson. Stephen Thompson. Stephen yeah. Thompson two parter. I would kill myself. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and it leaves more opportunities for us to get. Um, you know, another ep- uh, like the episode, another episode from Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Um, with, there's a pos- there's a possibility of that. You know, there's there's a possibility of ne- of getting another episode by um, Rob uh, Sherman. I mean, it's not going to happen, but it, you know, but more, it leaves the possibility. Yeah, more stories means more writers. And like, how many times right. have you have have we seen a sh- seen a season and been like, oh, wouldn't it have been so great if they had gotten this person to come back and write another story? Or oh, oh, it's so it's such a bummer that this person's writing and this person right. isn't. Like, you're right. Like that's that is definitely an upside. Richard, to this. And it, uh, Rich, Richard Curtis. Oh God, I would, I would love, love to get another Richard. I, I'd oh. love to get another Richard Curtis. I'd love to get another Tom McRae episode. I, Absolutely. I, and and this will give us our, our an opportunity to maybe get an episode directed by Edgar Wright. Sure. Finally. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, I I'm not I'm not opposed to the idea of all single serving episodes. Um, just because I mean that just gives us more Matt Smith adventures before he's he's. Oh, gone. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, you know, that's that is a good thing. Um, It is it is definitely like, you know, there are pros and there are cons Mm -hmm. um, to this. Uh, It does mean we're going to get five Stephen Moffat single uh, Stephen Moffat single parters. I had to make sure I said that right, Um, which I'm not convinced I love because I generally like his two parters much more than I like his first part with his one parters um, just in general. Uh, I don't I don't know, man. Blink and Blink and the Girl in the Fireplace are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and the Eleventh Hour, for that matter. Yeah, but like thinking about how much I love Angels and how much I love Pandorica and how much I love Silence in the Library. Like I love those stories and Impossible Astronaut. And I feel like those stories really give Stephen Moffat the room to room to breathe, where he feels he doesn't need it, and. I, I love that. I love that. Um, I know we're talking about Girl in the Fireplace in like three weeks, um, so we won't go into it there. But, I, I, you know, I do like his one-part stories, but traditionally in the past, you know, since he's taken over the show, 11th hour aside, I have really not super cared for his single-part stories, like just in as a rule. And pr- part of that is River Song. Uh, part of it is just because I think he moves too fast and needs to take a breather. Uh, but, you know. We'll see how it goes. I like I I don't know. I like Beast Below. It's okay. Um, it's not. It's a story that I like. Not as much as I as I should. Nor do I think that story is as strong as it could be. Um, hmm. So, but we'll we'll talk about that next year. Uh, yeah, because we're going to be doing a special series of let's revisit series five and talk about how much it was good. Yeah, <laughs> around summertime. So look for that. Yeah. Oh. Oh, and uh one more thing I want to point out because <laughs> why not? Um Moffat really likes good titles apparently. Uh and by good I mean titles I hate because um <laughs> and this is something I want to mention. Um a couple <laughs> weeks ago <laughs> I I'm going to say it. A couple weeks ago we um we talked about the next doctor and we talked about how that was in no way the best sto- best title for that story. Uh, and it's really funny because, like, three weeks after we did that episode, Moffat comes out and says... 
<laughs> and says that he loves the title to Let's Kill Hitler. And he said on Twitter, I love the title of the Wedding Reverse song because despite the fact that it was not the best title for that story, goddamn did it bring people to that story. Um, wow. Because uh. <laughs> he's, the exact quote he said, I want slutty titles in movie poster plots. And it's like, oh no. Oh no. Because uh. I... Because <laughs> I hate the title, Let's Kill Hitler. And I think that, like, at the end of the day, one of my biggest problems with Moffat is not even his writing. It's specifically his producership. And while I appreciate the fact that he has helped bring Doctor Who to the mainstream in a big, bad way, because this show is way more popular now than it was just, you know, 18 months ago, uh, looking at it now and seeing that he just wants things to be big and quote-unquote slutty is not something I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I love I love stories... I love... You know, like, Peter Davison has some of my best sort of story titles, probably because they're a little weird, but I just... I hate the idea of slutty titles. I hate it so much. Um, yep. So we'll see how that goes. I um, like I like my Doctor Who stories to have Doctor Who titles. <laughs> Let's Kill Hitler is not a Doctor Who title. I want I want I want a story next season to be called Slaughterhouse Tardis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's what I want. Let's That's what not I want. let's not do that. <laughs> let's not do that. Um all right, before we move on, I remind everybody that we are sponsored by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you can get at a local comic book shop you can get from DCBService.com. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off. You ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay six twenty five in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Um, so speaking of Stephen Moffat, next week is Sherlock. Oh, that's right the 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 series the series premiere the of series two. Um, do you want to talk about that on this show? No, because we have a we have a new podcast that can talk about anything. That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. So I think for those paying, keeping score at home. Uh, we're doing a new podcast called The Mind Robbers. Uh, it's going up sometime in the near future. Uh, and we're going to start off with doing... I know this is a slight announcement, but we're going to start off by doing... Uh, the first episode is going to be Scott and me talking about our favorite movies of 2011 and doing a rundown of all our favorite shows, uh, doing like a top 10 list. And then the next week, we're going to be doing top, top top 10 TV shows and our, and just discussing our favorite TV shows. Uh so that should give us two weeks of material, and then after that, I think Sherlock should be done. So I think our third episode will be about Sherlock. So amongst other things, I'm sure. Amongst amongst other things, yes. Because um, that show is whatever we want it to be. Yep. Uh, <laughs> which <laughs> is handed us the keys to the podcast, which is pretty exciting. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you guys really like check out. Look for that on iTunes. Look for it at MindRobbers.net. The podcast is called The Mind Robbers, and uh, ironically named after a Doctor Who episode, and we're never going to talk about Doctor Who on that show. <laughs> never, ever. Nope. That's what this show's for. So <laughs> don't ever ask us why we don't talk about Doctor I, I can't wait for us to get the email at, from somebody who only listens to The Mind Robbers and be like, you, if you guys never talk about Doctor Who, you should, talk, you should, you should watch Doctor Who. It's a really good show. <laughs> 
be like, oh, dude. <laughs> We're going to be like, dude, there's like 50 plus episodes where all we do is talk about Doctor Who, man. Yeah. What up? Yeah. What up? What up, indeed. <laughs> um, also, speaking of other podcasts, Movie Night at Geek Show uh, is ending and is practically over right now. Um, <laughs> we have one more but episode pra- left to record, two more episodes left to go up. Uh, we recorded The Godfather just before Christmas, so that should be going up in the next few days. And then uh, we're going to be doing our final episode for The Breakfast Club. We're going to be recording that this week, and that'll go up um, probably at the end of this week, slash first of the year-ish, around that time period. Um, so keep your eyes peeled on the site for that and on your iTunes feeds for that, because I know you're all subscribed. Actually, I know you're not. It's fine. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's that. Also, um, we've been catching up on, uh, book of the months for geek show. Uh, a couple of weeks ago we did Stumptown. Then we just recently came out with American Vampire. Uh, this week we have Fell coming out, and then shortly thereafter, uh, Why the Last Man Volume 5. Um, so definitely check that out and uh, check out The Mind Robbers. Matt, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at twitter.com slash gungadin. You can also find me on my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash gdcommentary, where we might be live-tweeting things as early as this week. Uh, Scott and I have made a decision. I know Scott will probably be like, oh, yeah, we're going to do that. Uh, we both have Super 8, and we both have Captain America on Blu-ray, so we'll probably be live-tweeting that up sometime this week. Yeah! Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, so so look for that at GD Commentary. Scott's is Scott Commentary, and Cassandra might join us. Uh, commentary check. Then again, she's working late this week, so maybe not. We'll see. Um, uh, you can also follow me at my Doctor Who blog, which is classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where I live, not live blog, but like analyze Doctor Who stories. Last week, I did Fury from the Deep, which was interesting. I <laughs> wish that story existed. Um, this week I'm talking about Horror of Fang Rock, which is one of my favorite Tom Baker stories because it is just damn good. Uh, and then I'm just going to spoil it because why not? Uh, next week I'm talking about Kinda, which is an 8,000 word blog entry about (laughs) how much I think about that show. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, also coming up on the blog because now we're going to run out of time. Even though this podcast isn't timed, why not? Uh, real quick, stories that are coming up. Uh, next week we have off, because <laughs> life is busy. Um, and, then, and then we're going to come back strong. Uh, our next five stories will be Tom Baker in City of Death, uh, Patrick Troughton in The Underwater Menace, which <laughs> will be interesting. Uh, then the aforementioned Girl in the Fireplace, and then the Dalek Invasion of Earth, which is a first Doctor story, and then more Tom Baker with The Ark in Space. So come back, join us for those. Super fun. Two mm-hmm. of them are in Netflix Instant. At least, no, three of them are. So you have no excuse. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. We give because one, we care. One of those you have a pretty major excuse for not watching with us. Yeah. Um, so if you don't want to listen to a reconstruction of the episode, you can just listen to us reconstruct it for you. <gasps> oh, and we're going to go blow by blow on that story. Yep. It's going to be oh. fun. Oh, my God. It's going to be fun. Why is that octopus there? I don't know. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, uh, in case you missed it, 
through all the words that Matt just said. We are taking next week off. So do not look for an episode next week. It will not appear in your iTunes feed. Guys, if you knew how busy I was. If you knew. If you knew how how busy either of us were. (laughs) I mean. Why is work so busy? My God. Oh, God. Seriously, call me after the 16th because I'm going to sleep on the 17th. Holy crap. (laughs) That's all I'm going to do that day. (laughs) Uh, That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. There it is. Um, so anyway, that's that. And, uh, so we'll talk to you guys in two weeks with city of death, city of death. Wow. I want to watch that story. That's interesting. (laughs) Hell yeah, you are. All right. So yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. So we'll talk to you guys in two weeks with city of death, which is available on Netflix instant. So if you have Netflix, you have no excuse. Yeah, you do not. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 